the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, the Generation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the weekend college basketball betting preview. I'm stuck in joining me, as always, are Mike and Mike, Mike Randall and Mike Calabrese. A lot to get to today. We will add another future when we go through the futures roundtable to our existing portfolio. We will talk a little week that was key takeaway from each person and then most importantly get to some spots that we have circled for the weekend can go friday saturday or sunday for those mike calabrese welcome back uh how you feeling i'm on the men's i got you know sickness running through the entire family but it's good to have only missed one episode uh and i'll be filling in for you on saturday on the vboc live show so i got to make sure that I'm firing on all cylinders at that point. Really a great Saturday with some critical matchups. You know, the I would say the crown jewel being Marquette against UConn. I'm excited to talk with these these games with you guys. So wait, Stuck, that right. means if we go against Calabrese, he pays someone $500, right? Is that how that works? It'd be, yeah, it's up to him. But uh, <laughs> I mean, how, how many hot A-10 takes do you guys bring to the table on Saturday? <laughs> That's the question. Yeah, if you want to go for head-to-head, try try to uh, pick an A-10 game. Uh, all right, well, good stuff. Let's get to the week that was. Key takeaway, Rant, wherever you want to go with it. Randall, I'll start with you. What do you got? Yeah, what I got, guys, it's contenders and pretenders now as we get towards the end of February. I mean, just take a look at last night. Seton Hall takes uh, care of Xavier in a game that was sort of a bubble game. Uh, Michigan State goes on the road, gets a big win at Penn State. My uh, Clemson disposes of Miami yet again. Auburn in a bounce back and even stuck if you want to go to the Patriot Colgate establishing their dominance. So to me, it's contenders and pretenders. The teams that are supposed to win are not going to mess up that much. Tennessee destroying Arkansas and the teams that aren't that good are starting to fade away now, which is what we're seeing. So the teams that really have a, a case to make a deep run in the tournament, I think are not messing around anymore. Yeah. Cream rises to the top. We're midway through February. March will be here before we know it. Calabrese, what do you got from the week that was? So on one side, you get the cream rising to the top. On the other, you have the bubble, which this is about the time of year when I get irrationally angry just looking at bracket matrix and going through all the different top sites for who's on the bubble, who's safe, who has work left to do. Because some of the teams that they say from the power conferences that are on the bubble, Utah, I don't see it. Mississippi State, Ole Miss. And then on the other side, Indiana State, welcome to the life of a mid-major. You crack the top. You know, AP top 25 for the first time in, what, 35, 40 years? And then all of a sudden you lay an egg, and now you're on the bubble again. That's ridiculous to me. Like, Utah versus Indiana State, what are we trying to do as a sport if we're going to put in Utah and leave Indiana State on the wrong side of the bubble? Even New Mexico still has work to do. Memphis, I understand that they have warts in terms of their overall profile. But 
at least they're a fun team. I know what their ceiling is. A lot of these power conference teams just do not move the needle for me whatsoever. I don't want to see them sneak in and play in that 11 game or 11 seed play in game. I want the best of the mid major also rands. But in a lot of cases, I think Indiana State's probably going to have to win their conference tournament to feel good on Selection Sunday. So that's just what fires me up. I know it's way too early to feel that way because we got about five weeks to Selection Sunday. But this is the time of year when I start seeing teams like Utah get included in the conversation. I know that somebody's going to get screwed, and it's probably going to be one of those mid-major darlings. Yeah, Indiana State, that was going to be one of my key takeaways. I would love to see that offense in the tournament and I don't know if they can get there without winning Arch Madness now uh that's a quad four loss and uh, you know they only have they have Southern Illinois Valpo Illinois Chicago Evansville Mary left it's not like they're going to pick up a marquee win maybe if they get to the Arch Madness final you could see them getting in but they can't afford another bad loss um which is unfortunate because they're definitely one of uh the most uh efficient and explosive offenses in the country and fun to watch and just um, an offense that no one would want to face in the tournament with what Josh Schertz has done there. Uh, I'll, I'll mention a team that's, I guess you, do you have bracket matrix up. Uh, I do. As a matter of fact, go for it. Where, do, where does, where does, where does bracket matrix have, uh, which bracket matrix, if you're not familiar, it's kind of like an aggregate um, of all mm-hmm. of the, brackets that are out there uh where do they have northwestern northwestern currently they have them aggregate as a nine seed you know uh two teams away from being an eight seed yeah northwestern could be in trouble here down the stretch they just have a lot of chances for bad losses uh i guess they play they're at michigan state other than that it's rutgers indiana michigan maryland iowa and minnesota so what does that mean? Like, oh, yeah, they could get a lot of wins, but they're not really going to improve their seeding much by winning those games. But if they take a bunch of close losses, this team could be in trouble because Ty Berry is out for the year. And that's a big loss. He did so much for them on both sides of the floor. And now you're going to have to, like, first of all, Clayton's not ready. So you're going to have Clayton playing more minutes. Uh, and his numbers so far aren't great. He's still very raw. But this is a team that didn't have depth to begin with. So, I mean, like, Boo Booey, Langboard, you're going to have Martinelli out there, like, and Barnheiser. They're going to be playing, like, what, 38 minutes a game? So there's a chance that this team just wears down towards the end of the season, and you're really going to miss very shooting. He's having, hell, he was having a hell of a year from the outside. You're going to miss his athleticism, and uh, there's just so much pressure now on Boo Booey. So Northwestern's a team that I'll be looking to fade because it's not like we're getting them, you know, you have to fade them as an underdog. They're going to be favored in a lot of these games. And I think that they might wear down. And I wouldn't be surprised if they played their way out of the tournament, uh, for even from an eight seed with the loss of Ty Berry. It's a big loss on both ends. And that Chicago State loss looms large. Like if they're in a conversation on the bubble, that's going to be in big time, you know, 100 point fonts on the the Chiron across the, the telecast because losing to Chicago State is unforgivable in a situation like that. They're going to talk about these quad four losses. They're going to talk about the games that potentially they should have, you know, things had gone differently. They would have had in the win column. That one, I think, is going to haunt them a bit. Guys, I don't think yeah. they're beating. I don't think they're beating Rutgers tonight. Rutgers is beating. Yeah, I agree. 
Michigan, Maryland, Wisconsin's playing very well. I know, but Peichel's a great coach. He got mm. it going. Now they don't have Barry. They're going on the road. That's a loss. They still got to play at Michigan State. Stuck. I think it's a great call. Yep. All right. Let's get to the futures roundtable before we get into the weekend. As of right now, final four, we have six futures. I think we'll do three more. So today and then two more, and then we'll be into conference tournaments. And then before you know it, the NCAA tournament. Uh, we have six futures so far. We have national title, Kentucky, Big 12, Houston, which looks really good. Final four flyers on South Carolina, Wisconsin, St. John's, and Texas A&M. I hope just all of the, I mean, Wisconsin's safe. South Carolina's safe. You just got to hope Texas A&M is safe as of now. John's needs a bad loss to Vanderbilt. They, we need the, these teams to just at least get in. So I think they're all capable of making a run. All right, let's uh, go for those new to the show. Each one of us will make a case for a future. It could be anything. It could be a conference uh, regular season conference winner could be final four could be national championship. We'll each make our case. Then we'll all vote to tie. I'll break the tie. Randall, I will uh, go to you first. What do you have this week? There's a commonality with our futures guys that we've done here throughout the year, Houston, uh, Wisconsin, South Carolina. We've talked about teams because the game slows down in the tournament that are strong defensively. What I'm looking at now is no one can win on the road. So we have to remember it's a neutral site. So let's find a team. And I know we want to go to plus 2,000, plus 2,200. But let's find a team that we haven't mentioned that has a really good defense and actually has some big-time wins. And that team is Iowa State. Iowa State is eight in the net. They're five and four in quad one, and they're three and one in quad two. No bad losses. Now, listen, their non-conference schedule was rough, but I think that's offset because look at the wins they have. Houston at home. They beat Kansas at home, and that, remember, it's going to be Kansas with and without their players. That's that way you have to assess. They had a fully loaded team, and they have started to come through on the road. That was a big win against Cincinnati on Tuesday. Cincinnati wanted that game. Tough place to play. They dominated from start to finish, and at Texas, which is never easy. This team is good. They're going to be at Houston. If somehow, guys, they get that game, this number is going to drop. I am proposing for your review Iowa State plus 450, plus 500, wherever you can get it, to make the final four. You know my thoughts, Tennessee, Wisconsin, South Carolina, grinded out teams, even Houston, though their defense is so spectacular in a class by themselves, that play strong defense, that are well-coached, disciplined, that can make a run. Give me the team from the Big 12 that everyone forgets about mm -hmm. because it's Houston and it's Kansas and it's everyone else. Give me Oz here plus 450 to make the final four. I think we need a piece of the Cyclones, guys. Yeah, Otzelberger, uh, super underrated. I mean, he's, he's. I think people are going to continue to catch on how great he is, and their defense has been dominant. They are also, they're, they're great. You mentioned common theme, like they're, they're defense first team, third in overall adjusted efficiency, but they're like some of the other teams that we bet, not super reliant on the three. And they're really good on the offensive glass. Uh, so, yeah, the Cyclones definitely have a shot to make a deep run in March. Calabrese, what do you got? All right, we're going defensive team. Let's do the other side of the coin. Let's go with offensive team currently in bracket matrix at the six line and 28 to one to make the final four. We're talking about Colorado State. Three of their next four, they got Utah State at home, at New Mexico, home against Nevada. 
If they win two of those three, I think not only are they safely in the tournament, but I think they're going to be able to land on that six line. And that's critical because when you look at that round of 32 matchup, who's on the three line? You got Baylor, you got Alabama, you got Auburn. I would love to play all those teams on a neutral floor. Iowa State is in that conversation. I think Iowa State at the end of the day is going to end up with a two seed. And that would kind of be my nightmare matchup. I don't want Colorado State matching up with them. But those other three, not afraid of them to get to the second weekend. Now, when it comes to the actual breakdown of their team, the Rams share the ball better than just about anyone in the country. They're second in assist to turnover ratio, third in assist to made field goal ratio as well. And what I really like about a team that can score and that can put together some really high-end offense, they're not dependent on the three-point shot. I've been burned by this. We all have three-point variants. It can be just soul-crushing in the tournament to see your team all of a sudden go five for 27 from three, throw their hands up. They got nothing, nowhere else to go in terms of their you know, bag of tricks. They're 177th nationally in three-point attempts per game, so they do not live and die from that you know, perspective. Their rebounding stinks. I get that. They're certainly going to be matchup dependent. It would be bad for them if they went up against an elite offensive rebounding team in the, those first two games. But if they don't, I think Medved has done an incredible job. Otherwise, they're 32nd in Ken Palmo, 50th in Ken Palm D. He's squeezed the absolute maximum out of this roster. And I do believe that they're primed to at least make it to the second weekend. And at 28 to 1, I think that puts some interesting hedge opportunities on the table. So that's my pitch for the Rams. Well, the only thing I'll mention is that last night, was it last night or two nights ago, whenever they played San Diego State and only scored 11, well, crazy second half, they only scored 11 points in the second half. Patrick Cartier got hurt and he hurt his ankle. I haven't seen an update, but that would, he would be a big loss. They won't miss him on the defensive end. He's not great there, but they'll definitely miss him on the offensive end. I think per Evan Mia, he's their second most important offensive player behind Isaiah Stevens. So I do like the fact that you have Isaiah Stevens, one of the best point guards in the country. You need a guy like that if you're looking for a long shot to make a run to the Final Four. They have a great coach in Medved who you know, changes up his defenses a lot, which is good in a tournament setting. But Cartier would be a big loss. I do. They can get bullied a bit at times down low. So you know, you mentioned matchup dependent, um, but riding with Stevens and Medved, uh, not the worst idea. And We'll have to keep an eye out on Cartier's status moving forward. I'll mention I have another 28 to 1 Final Four. Uh, it's in, say, yeah, same exact price, 28 to 1. I'm going to go, and he, look, I'll, I'll preface it this with this first. Over the past three seasons, the ACC has, they've had the fourth most bids, and they've had, I think they've had, Hardly any one. They've had like the sixth fewest one seeds out of all of the conferences. They're tied for second in Sweet 16 appearances. Tied for first in Elite Eight. They're number one in Final Four appearances. And they are number one in wins over Ken Palm expectation. And they have 23 total ones. The ACC just shows up when it, in March in the tournament. So when I was looking, I was like, all right, what, what's an ACC team that I think could potentially be undervalued heading into the tournament and what and and also being that it's being this being a good time to invest in them and i think it might be, i know they've won three straight but i think it might be clemson 28 to 1 to make the final four 
they're they're a super experienced team. They're hitting their stride right now. They have NC State at home, Georgia Tech, Florida State at home, Pitt at home, at Notre Dame, Syracuse at home coming up. I mean, this is a team that could play itself up to what uh, a four seed. They have a win at Alabama. They won at North Carolina, which they never do. They were a second away from also winning at Duke. So this team is battle-tested, not afraid to go on the road, super experienced. Uh, you know, you have a guy like Chaplin, who's just a board monster. P.J. Hall is a matchup nightmare. That offense is really good. Their defense is trending up. And they haven't even shot the three well. They're due for still due for some three-point variance on both sides of the court in league play. They're only shooting 32% in ACC play, and teams are shooting close to 37% against them, 13th in both. So I think this is the right time. Their schedule is very easy down the stretch. I think they'd be – you saw a bracket matrix of copies. Where do they have them at, like a six-ish now? They got, them, they got them currently as the highest six seed, so they're you know one team behind BYU on that five line. So I agree with you. If they start stacking these wins, a four seed is absolutely within their grasp. Yeah, especially with some of those, those big ones. They have a neutral win over TCU – um so yeah i like this team they're super experienced i think they're peaking at the right time they have some good road wins which gives me confidence in a tournament setting and yeah hall is just th- th- that offense if they just start hitting some threes i think you mentioned this uh the other week randall is that you know if chase hunter like just if chase hunter just gets hot um he's only shooting what 30 percent from three but, you know, if you look back on his career, the past few years is right around 35, 36%. So there's still some upside there. I, I like this team. They got Jack Clark back, who gives them some versatility on the defensive end. And, uh, yeah, so I think Clemson at 28-1 to 1 is worth a flyer. All right, so we'll get our thoughts on – I'll get you guys' thoughts on some of these after, but we'll vote now. So we'll go one – we have three final four bet proposals iowa state you're gonna hold up a one two for colorado state and three for clemson all right three two one it's a clean sweep three uh i i was close to iowa state and not not that it would have mattered i am just afraid of cardia's injury and colorado state getting bullied a bit iowa state i'm maybe it's just uh this is bias emotional bias but i was thinking about them a while back and their number has just come down a lot but i i am a believer in iowa state for sure even outside of hilton but looks like clemson right i saw you shaking your head while yeah. i was making my pitch i almost you, brought it man. you're just the man we know that I, I almost brought that one guys what do we love and what have we seen over the last five years with teams that make a run we want veteran teams that are balanced and suck. You hit it. Clemson was scalding hot from three point range in the non-conference. Now they've gone ice cold. Just get me in the middle. You have hall inside who does great work. Shifflin is the X factor. Mm. They have wins on the road. They're not sexy. No one's thinking Clemson because the ACC is North Carolina, Duke. Maybe some people think about Virginia, but that's it. And they don't get into Bromel. This team has the profile of one of those teams that everyone goes, how the hell is Clemson the Elite Eight? It's a great call. Yep. Uh, Calvary, any thoughts? 
Yeah, I kind of agreed with everything on Iowa State, except for I just don't trust Lipsy in the tournament to string together that many high-end performance games. And as we've, you know, banged the drum over and over again, it's a guard-dependent tournament. And he's laid some eggs. He's got some, you know, games where he's absolutely disappeared, failed to hit double digits, shot their way out of, I think it was the Oklahoma game. He went one for 10. That concerns me. That, to me, means if even in the first round, if you link up against a really well-coached, and veteran mid-major team, all of a sudden, the four-minute timeout in the second half, like it's a one-possession game because of the the brand of basketball they play and how much they rely on him to be the straw that stirs the drink offensively. So that's those are my reservations. It made it easy for me to go with Clemson. Mike, that's, sorry, I stuck one thing. Mike, you're right. That is a great call because if you remember last year, go tell me he's a freshman. I will tell you the deer in headlights that I saw in that massive self-destruction against, what was it, Texas Tech on the road? What was the, that worried me because now listen, it was his first year. I get it, but I agree. He's the bellwether for that team. And I could easily see concerns in a close spot. That's fair. That's a fair criticism. Yep. Um, yeah. And I also think that it's, you have, you know, that, that Clemson offense with Hall in the post and they run so much motion around it. It's so good. And especially when they're hitting threes, you saw what they did in the non-conference when they were doing that. And you're seeing what they've done of late when they've shot it a little better. You know, I mean, like, just look at that UNC game. They were one of 18 from three, lose at home, you know, shoot reasonable clip, win in Chapel Hill. But with Hall, it's, you're not, he can, he can pose, because he can step out, he can hit the three, he can kind of bring bigs out. So, like, if you, if you match up with one of these, you know, one or two seeds with, like, elite bigs, that some of these other teams just wouldn't be able to get by. Hall can pose a matchup problem uh, with their offense there as well. But super veteran team that I think is peaking at the right time. Like the fact that one, one of the things that really impressed me with Clemson, you get that they never win at North Carolina, like never, ever, ever win. And then they go on the road, take care of business against Syracuse, followed up with a blowout win against Miami just zero letdown, look focused. So I think that they're hitting their stride. And if, you know, we look at it since January 10th, they're, they have three losses. Georgia Tech loss was bad. They lost in double overtime, lost to Duke in the final second and Virginia by one. So they easily could be working here on what a nine, 10 game winning streak. So, and then with their schedule coming up, I think this number is going to dip and they have the potential to get up, jump up to a four seed. So we're adding Clemson to the portfolio. Two more additions over the next two weeks. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get to the weekend coming up. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Randall, I'll throw it to you first. What do you got circled? All right, New Mexico, you got me against Nevada. Great game. Played well, shot well. You don't have the chops 
to win at, at San Diego State. You do not. Now, listen, New Mexico blew their doors off earlier this year. They beat San, They played earlier this year against New Mexico, lost 88-70 to 70 back on Saturday, mm-hmm. January 13th. It's still the Aztecs, guys. It's still them at home. New Mexico, defensive metrics are not there. I don't think they're going to shoot as well as they did in the win over Nevada, and Nevada almost came all the way back. New Mexico, I get it. I just don't think they have the chops for these back-to-back wins. And San Diego State now really smells it and needs it. You look at the top of the conference, Utah State is 9-3. and three. San Diego State tied with New Mexico here, 8-4. and four. Call this the loser leaves town match for West Coast, uh, the Mountain West Conference title here, or the race rather. I'm taking San Diego State, guys. I don't think New Mexico can do it. If they can, I will tip my cap and pour a martini in their honor. Yeah, San Diego State, different, different team at home as well. Calvary's what do you got? I'm gonna go to the Ivy on Friday nights. Yale, if I can get them, you know, five and a half, six, I think that's fine at Penn. The Bulldogs, they're undefeated in the Ivy, but they're just one game ahead of Cornell, so they don't have the luxury of looking past a game like this. But when I start to break down what makes them special, Haslametrics rates them as the tenth most consistent team in the entire country, and that's important to me in terms of covering against teams that you should beat and beat comfortably. They already beat Penn going away by sixteen points earlier this month, and it really starts with Danny Wolf, their seven footer. He's playing the best basketball of his career. He has three straight twenty and ten double doubles, and it's not just him. They're twenty fifth nationally in height, which is so rare for an Ivy League team. And because of that, that's translated them to them being the sixth best defensive rebounding team in terms of uh, percentage in the entire country. They rarely turn it over fewer than 10 giveaways per game, and they don't foul their opponents. That doesn't leave many outs for teams that are just not in their, you know, that their level of play to hang around for 40 minutes. I think Penn is going to get dog walked in this one. I'll take Yale minus five and a half. All right, good stuff. Getting us some Ivy action on Friday night. I'll I'll mention another team that I think is going to get dog walked. Uh, I'm going to look at Boise State on Saturday. They'll be laying double digits here, but I think it's a good spot. They haven't had a week off, and they're off back-to-back blowout losses. I think you'll get a focused effort. They're still in the running to win the Mountain West, but this is more about fading Fresno. They they don't have any players left. Uh, I mean, you're down to Andre. Their center is out. Donovan Yap's out for the year. Bochi left the game with an injury uh, when they played UNLV, and they also played on Wednesday. Big big prep rest advantage for Boise. They're down to five guys, five scholarship players now. I don't maybe Bochi plays, but I, Tavares is absent. I don't know where Tavares is. They got nothing left. They have, now they have no rim protection at all. They're probably going to get if they get in any foul trouble whatsoever. This is an. I mean, this would be. I think would be an absolute blowout anyway. But uh, Fresno just has nothing left. They have no no players left. The legs are going to go. Um, they're off two just hard fought games down on the wire. Now you're down to five scholarship players, most likely. So I think Boise State uh, blows the doors off Fresno on Saturday. Randall, what else you got? Guys, I'm. I don't think Houston's looking ahead here. That was a close game that they had against Texas. Uh, their their first matchup, they were able to get to the window in that in overtime. I don't trust Texas. They've been very up and down. Now they're going on the road here against Houston. That Houston defense is just something else at home. So I know this line's going to be big. It's going to be 10. You're going to say it's a look-ahead spot uh, with the game coming up for Houston against Iowa State here, and then they have Baylor. I just think they're playing at a different level. 
And I expect them to take care of business at home. I, I have done very well betting Houston at home. I don't care what the line is. You want to go first half line? I'm fine with that. The level of physicality they're going to bring to Texas, they're going to push them around here. Texas had their game. They kept it close. Houston shoots better at home, most teams do, than on the road here. So I'm back in the Cougs. I don't think it's a look-ahead spot. I think they are just that good at home. Calvary's yeah, rushing out. I trust in Lamont Paris. I know they just lost by 40 in the jungle against Auburn. I'm hoping that that creates a little bit of a funky number here against LSU. I'd love it if I could get it at six because LSU's at large opportunity. It's evaporated. They've lost six of seven straight up. So now it's just a look ahead to the conference tournament next month. I still see South Carolina being a motivated team because they're in the thick of the regular season race. It's still up for grabs. They have to win their gimmies. There's no looking past this LSU team. And I think because I, I prefer Paris as a coach here, I think he's going to be able to impose a slower pace. I think that's the differential here. These two teams are polar opposites in that regard. I think also Talon Cooper is due to break out of a shooting slump, just nine points in his past two games. And finally, LSU really bad on the defensive glass, and they turn it over over 13 times per game. That's 282nd nationally. South Carolina is strong in the glass. I think they get it done here and win comfortably in Columbia. All right, good stuff there. I, I will... I'll say, speaking of a team that's on that very fringe of the bubble, you saw Bracket Matrix up. Is Kansas State even on the page? They are not even on the page. They are not even in the other at-larges, which means that of all, I think they break down 166 bracketologists, none of them have them in the field as an 11 or 12 seed on the bubble. So that, that's how bad it is for K-State at the moment. Yeah, this is it. So Kansas, no one's been better at home uh, in the Octagon of Doom. No one's been better. Uh, at home against good teams over the past two years. I think they're the most ranked wins uh, at home than Kansas State. They're just a different team at home. They turn it over the last turn. It's been a major problem. So I like them here. This is like last hurrah. Like you want to even get on the bubble. You want to have a shot. They have to win this game against TCU. They've had a week off after a hard-fought loss at BYU. This is a team that doesn't have much depth, and they've only played one game since last Monday when they beat Kansas at home. So they should be well-rested here. And TCU and look, the Kansas State defense, you cannot blame them at all. I mean, their their defense is playing at a top 15 level right now. TCU, you know, you're going to Kansas State. You got Texas Tech coming up uh, on Tuesday. Maybe you get caught looking ahead here a bit. But there's a couple things that I like about this matchup. TCU wants to get to the rim with reckless abandon. They want to get out in transition. Kansas State actually is an elite rim defense, and they're a very good transition defense. The only thing that you know that I worry about here is their turnovers. The Kansas State's turnovers are horrific, which could lead to fast break points, but they're generally good in transition mm -hmm. defense. And Kansas State does turn the ball over a lot less at home in Manhattan. So uh, this game should be around a pick. Kansas State's kind of last hurrah. I think that they get this done at home uh, with you know keeping their bubble shot on life sport. Lose this game, it's yeah, it's pretty much over for them. So I like the Wildcats, Emal. Randall, what else you got? Guys, I am locked into Florida Atlantic. I was locked into them last year on a positive, and I've been locked <clears throat> into this year on a negative. This one is Sunday. You're telling me that you're going to give me, potentially per Ken Palm, four points with South Florida at home against Florida Atlantic? South Florida this year, a, a, Lamont Paris is coach of the year. But Amir Abdul-Rahim, who came over from Kennesaw State, has been amazing. 
Their defense is legit. They get up and they guard. They defend the three. And oh, by the way, they're shooting 40% from three-point range in the AAC. You're going to give me points with South Florida? They win this game, South Florida. If the Bulls win this game, they are putting this this conference away. They would be 11-2. and two. Yes, Charlotte is still 9-2, and two, but they would be potentially 12-1, and one, rather, leading this conference. It's an incredible job by the Bulls, who were ninth in the preseason poll. Their defense is legit. They rebound well. Florida Atlantic likes to get you in the offensive boards. South Florida is really good on the defensive boards. Give me the points with South Florida. This idea that Florida Atlantic is like some Kansas-like team here in the AAC, that the road goes through them, I'm not buying it. Their defense has been brutal. They've been terrible against the spread, something like 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. I'll take the points with South Florida on Sunday. <clears throat> well, it seems like – does South Florida cover every game? When's the last time South Florida didn't cover? Third best in, uh, the, third best in the country, 15-5-3, and three, only behind Minnesota and your Troy Trojans stuck. Minnesota's like 20 and – 20 and three, and three. 20 and three, 15, Ridiculous. five and three, mm-hmm. South Florida. Yep. Um, yeah, I, and, and Florida Atlantic, every single game, it's just like, it's tied with 10 seconds to go. <laughs> it doesn't right. matter who they play. <laughs> um, the good thing about them getting in the tournament is we'll, they'll be up. They'll be a buzzer beater. Like yep. whoever they play, they could play anybody. Could, could play Detroit, by the way, pop the champagne bottles for Detroit, yes. uh, getting a win. And did you see the one man court storm? <laughs> yeah, I did. One kid ran out into the court. Um, yeah, I mean, taking the points against Florida Atlantic right now, especially with the South Florida team that's just a covering machine. But Florida Atlantic games, I mean, they, they did get that cup, that bullshit cover against Wichita yeah, State. Terrible. Thoughts terrible. and prayers. Uh, anyone that at Wichita State, you lose that in overtime. Um, but yeah, Florida Atlantic just, they can't put any teams away. Um, and they're just not playing great basketball right now. And South Florida is an absolute covering machine. Calvary's, what do you got? So the projection for the total between Marquette and UConn is in the mid 140s. I think if it's below, let's call it 148. I'm interested in the over here because I think there's only one path to victory for Marquette. Yes, they've won eight straight, but they've done it on a, you know, a diet of beating up teams that are not going to be playing in the postseason. Kolek's been playing out of his mind, 26 points per game, nine assists, seven rebounds across his last four. But against this UConn team, you can't let them set up defensively in the half court. They're super elite in, t- in terms of interior defense. Huskies are six nationally in two-point percentage defense. They're going to keep Marquette off the offensive boards as well. So what I think that translates to is Marquette has to play fast, not just in terms of fast break, but also that secondary break. Any opportunity they have to just attack the, the rim, kick it out, shoot a three before UConn gets set up, I think that they have to do it. And also keep in mind that Marquette is 19th nationally with almost 15 fast break points per game. So it's not going to be outside of their identity to do that. But I just think they're going to have to play on turbo mode for this entire game. And I think that's going to correlate with this game going over. So if you can get it sub 149, I think over is the sharp play on Saturday. Well, you'll hear a lot about this sitting up to Saturday, but Shaka Smart is an underdog. I think he's <clears throat> what 97, 98, and 59 and three against the spread since becoming a head coach in 09. He's the most profitable coach as an underdog, even better as a road underdog. And I believe they're 4-0-1 against the spread as an underdog this show. Yeah, 4-0-1 against the spread as an underdog this year. 21-8-3 against the spread at Marquette is Shaka Smart. It's the only – Shaka, when when Shaka was at Texas, the only thing he could do is win at Kansas. Check out his against yep. the spread record at Kansas. He did. Was like and in the tournament, it. he would always lose as a favorite when he's an yes. underdog. 
so Marquette's playing really well now. They're healthier. You got, you know, healthy Jones and Ross. Mitchell's playing well, too, along with Kolek, who's just on fire. They can pressure UConn. You got to turn UConn over um, and get them out of their sets with pressure. So, like, Marquette can do that. Randall, any will you be looking to potentially buy Marquette? What are you seeing here? Yeah, I, I was on this one, too. It's a great call, Calabrese. I like Marquette in this matchup. Listen, at some point, guys, UConn is going to regress a little bit, but you have a point guard against UConn. That's the key because it can control the pace, slow it down. I'm not that impressed with Klingon. They do have the perimeter defense. They can get out limited three-pointers as well. So I like the Marquette call here. I also like them with the points. I, I think this is going to be a close game. Their battles are, are legendary, Marquette and Connecticut. So you're going to give me one side or another with points. I don't care where the game is. I'll, I'll take the points. But Kolick is at a first-team All-American level. Yeah, Connecticut, elite defense, a great offense. They do have a little a bit of shooting regression uh, looming to the negative side on both ends. Uh, I'll bring up this. You want to get – let's get scary. Uh, I mean, Georgia Tech at home – against Syracuse, Syracuse off that win against UNC. Syracuse doesn't have any bigs left. And like Georgia Tech also, all their bigs are hurt. So like these two teams are so vulnerable in the defensive glass. Georgia Tech, much better offensive rebounding team. Might be a chance to back Georgia Tech. Let's keep getting uglier. West Virginia, I think, is in a good spot at home against Baylor. Um, I like that call a lot, Stuck. Yeah, I, I mean, West Virginia is finally healthy. They're horrendous on the road. Like, just don't even look at West Virginia on the road. But this is still one of the best home court advantages in the country. And kind of a sleepy spot for Baylor, looking at who they have coming up. West Virginia is now finally healthy. Uh, so, yeah, I think Mountaineers' home dog uh, is worth a look. Two teams that are potentially – well, yeah, I guess two teams that are potentially going to be overvalued as favorites – that are kind of peaking right now. Washington State, I'm curious to see what they do tonight, but they might be a bit overvalued against Stanford. Now, Stanford, they're a tough team to back because they just, yeah, they're so reliant on a three pointer. But if they're hitting their threes, they can hang with Washington State, although Washington State does do a good job of limiting those attempts. Louisville, I haven't bet Louisville all the entire season, but Pitt has been on fire of late. Now they come home kind of, you know, fat and happy favorite. Against a Louisville team that's playing a little better of late, their freshmen are playing better. Louisville is a—they do a lot of things very poorly, but they are one of the worst transition defenses in the country. Pitt does not look to run; they do not look to ever get out in transition. And Louisville, their rim defense is horrendous, but Pitt doesn't attack the rim at all, like ever. So I can see Louisville hanging here uh, in a big number against Pitt, who gets a, a bit inflated after uh, some pretty big wins. I mean, they have. Pitt might have like more top 50 road wins than any team in the country. Um, so yeah, you got to give credit to Pitt, but I think they might be a little overvalued here this weekend. And then a real scary one. Might as well keep it going with ugly dogs. Uh, Ohio State on Sunday against Purdue at home. Ohio State's been a corpse, but look, you get you get a new you get a, a new coach. Like, all right, let's shake things up here. Most importantly, Ohio State, I was digging into their numbers. Like over the past month, they're shooting 23% from three, and opponents are shooting 43. I, that is remarkable. I, I, that gap is insane. So I think three point variance has played a part in how bad Ohio State has been. 
So I think that like, this is, you, you know, look, you're getting Purdue at home. You had the coach shake up. Like it, we saw Ohio state kind of go on a run late last year. Um, I, I think this is probably the spot to back Ohio state. I'm not sure they can get the win, but I think they can keep this close. And it's probably, it's, it's one of those, you know, max best effort games in a good spot. Uh, Calbrees, what else you got? That's it for me. I, I really, I'm going to be focused in on that Marquette UConn game from the total perspective, but also from a live number perspective. Cause I, at least for the projections right now, seven and a half seems a little generous, but if I can get any more than that, I think, you know, given Shaka Smart's performance as a dog, I agree with you guys. I would love to get something closer to the 10 and just ride with it. And, you know, hopefully his coaching acumen shines through. Yeah. Not many. It's not a great, uh, a 10 matchup weekend. Um, so yeah, was there anything, any games that I wanted to ask you about? No, not really. Um, got, we'll talk some more a, a 10 next year. Let me throw one at you guys real quick. Uh, again, you know, my love for Wisconsin here, Wisconsin Saturday at Iowa. I mean, they got to get this one guys. I mean, they beat Iowa already. I get it. It's a road game, but if they get this one, they got Maryland, Indiana, Illinois at home, Rutgers at home. I mean, they have, they can get a good run, but guys, are they going to lose to Iowa? I mean, Iowa's been, yeah. That that freshman for Iowa, when he plays well, all of a sudden, like anything's possible with them. But he's a freshman, so sometimes he can absolutely disappear. I think from a, a fantasy perspective, a you know a player prop perspective, if you want to bet him, I think it makes just as much sense as betting a side in this game because if he plays well, Iowa will have a punch. Are you talking about Freeman? He... Are you talking about Freeman? Owen Freeman? Yeah, I'm talking about Freeman yeah. here in the spot. Yeah, um, I think Wisconsin will get it done, but yeah, I, I want to. I mean, the spread's going to be, they're going to be like a short favorite, I would imagine. Um, let's see. Yeah, I would like to see it because I look back, Wisconsin, like the one scary thing about them, because I still like their ceiling, but they have, their road wins are Minnesota by two, uh, Ohio State. Michigan State, but that's when Hall that's when Hall was ruled out, right? Right for the game, the Michigan State game back in December. No, Hall played in that game. Um, Some something was up. Somebody had was sick that game or something. Yeah. All right. Well, that's okay. That's decent. But I would like that. Just speaking in general, regardless, they don't have a, a ton of uh, great. I mean, they beat Virginia and SMU on neutral courts. Uh, meh. Um, I want to see them pick up. Just even if these aren't like you know, Iowa, Indiana, I want to see them just like take care of business on the right. road. Um, so I know we know that they can win at home. But I, I, those will be good signs heading into the tournament after dropping four straight. I think it was a little overblown. I mean, look, they lost to Purdue. They blew a 20-point lead in Nebraska in the second half. And Nebraska at home is a juggernaut. And then they kind of just had back-to-back letdown games. Uh, but, you know, if they drop to Iowa and lose to Indiana, then I'll, I'll start to be concerned. Randall, do you have anything else? That's it, man. That's it for me. All right, good stuff. Uh, we will – have tons of content on the action network app and these guys uh week off for me for travel but they'll be back saturday morning 10 30 a.m eastern for bboc live we will talk the saturday slate but thanks to mike and mike for joining me as always thanks to our producer matt mitchell on the back end most importantly thanks to all of you for tuning in if you're watching on youtube hit that subscribe like button also subscribe on subscribe subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast leave a review five-star review that really helps out i'll do giveaways in a week or two send out a bunch of gear. Uh, so and if you already left the review, grab your girlfriend's brother's mom's phone, leave one. Uh, I can say whatever, but five-star reviews really help us out. Good luck on all of your wagers this weekend. Good luck to everyone tailing along with the features portfolio. 
hopefully we can get one of these to the final four and have the same success we saw last year with UConn winning the national title. But uh, it's been fun. Good luck with the Rangers this weekend. We will be back Saturday, like I said, for BBOC Live. Monday for the weekend recap, weekday, early weekday preview. Guys from Three Man Weave, as always, on Wednesdays. And we'll be back next week for the weekend preview at another feature. But thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.